as I was asking God over the last couple of weeks what he wanted me to share, because I really believe that a sermon's got to be what God wants to say to his people at this time right now. And uh, God gave me a kind of a little strange scripture to start with, but it will all make sense in the end. I'm looking at uh, Ezekiel chapter 34. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow, it's Ezekiel 34. And I'm going to start off by reading verses 1 to 6. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flocks. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all of the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. This scripture was written to Israel in the time that there was great idol worship, where people had turned their backs on God, when the Babylonians had already taken the people captive because of their great sin. This was written to a remnant of faithful people, just like us, amongst a nation that had turned its back on God. He is emphasising here the fact that Israel had experienced bad shepherds who had lost many sheep due to their own indulgences. They had put their sheep last, not feeding them or protecting them, so the sheep had wandered off. They'd got lost. They were disheartened. They were starving. They were wounded and alone, the perfect prey for the enemy. But God, in his grace and mercy, did not abandon them. And I want to go on by reading Ezekiel 11 onwards. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd sets out, seeks out his flock on the day he is, he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and I will gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good field and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. Amazing promises of God. 
I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep and between rams and goats. He goes on to say, Before, Because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns and scattered them abroad, Therefore I will save my flock and they shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd and I the Lord will be their God. Of course this passage last bit relates to the promise of the coming of our great shepherd Jesus who would be the total opposite to these bad shepherds that God was, was uh, talking about. Because Jesus was going to lay down his life for the sheep, exactly opposite of what the bad shepherds had done. So as I was reading these scriptures, I felt that God was saying to me that these words, although they were written a long time ago to Israel, These words relate to our time now as well. His promise of searching for and bringing back his lost sheep still applies to us now. I really believe that this is what he's saying. Now it is his church who need to be the place of good pastures to feed God's sheep. The church now needs to be the sheepfold, a place of safety to rest and be restored in, a place where the sick and broken can receive healing. I believe this is what God is saying to us now. There are many lost sheep that need to come back and God himself will bring them back. You know, the Bible warns us that in the end days there would be a great falling away. We've heard that saying. And even some of the elite, God's own people, would be deceived, sadly to say. But God does not mean this, that this does not mean that we as a church can sit down our laurels and say nothing and do nothing about these lost souls. We can't just say, oh, there's a great falling away, so, you know, let it all go and that's just bad luck, that's end times. And there's many that say that, but I don't believe that what's what God wants us to do. So I believe that there are basically three types of people in our mission field outside this church. I went to a church in Darwin once and I loved it. As you drove out of the church driveway, there was a huge sign that said, you are now entering your mission field. And Maryborough and surrounds is our mission field. You know, And when we leave these doors, God doesn't fill us up here for ourselves. He fills us up here so that we can take what we have out there into that mission field. So there's three kinds of people that we will find out there, I believe. Firstly, there's a group of people now these days who have never heard about Jesus. 
apart from as a swear word. Because church has become a redundant practice in the last generations. It's no longer a family tradition to go to church on Sunday morning. So there's a lot of young people especially that are totally ignorant of who Jesus is and what the gospel message is about. I read sometimes on Facebook and think things that they simply see the Bible as an old, outdated history book. It's full of fairy tales no longer relevant to this modern society. Christianity to them is just another religion with lots of rules and regulations determined to prevent people from having fun. That's how these young generations see us. It's very sad. These people that often worship the God of self, we're seeing more of that in our society. Self-sufficiency, self-indulgence, self-absorption, self-protection, self-idolising and self-control. Not the sort of spiritual self-control that we talk about, but the kind of belief that they have total control over their own destiny. They don't think they need God because they are able to do it all themselves. These are the poor souls totally deceived by Satan's lies. They don't realise that there's only two masters in this world. If you're not serving Jesus, you are under the control of the devil. It's such a terrible place to be. And these are this, this is a group of people that we, through God... You know, are needing to help. Secondly, there's those who have heard the truth but choose to totally ignore it. Unfortunately, they've been seduced by the lusts of this world. These are the ones Paul describes in Romans 1, 21 to 25. These people do not, we want to be reminded of God and his righteousness and they especially do not want to be reminded of his coming judgment. But they need to. They need to be. John warns us all very closely in 1 John 15 to 17. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's very plain and very clear. For all that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father but is of this world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of the Father, the will of God, he who does that abides forever. I know where I want to be. I want to be abiding forever in the presence of God. But I also want to take as many souls with me as I possibly can, as God leads me to. And as the Holy Spirit convicts, this is something I believe we really need to remind ourselves of. I remember Pastor Stewart's demonstration of the piece of rope. How little is our time on this earth, but how very long is eternity? You know, it's something that I think we have to really look at quite often in our life because the world is full of things that will draw us away. Lastly, there are those who are lost, they're hurting and starving sheep, 
and they are all around us. These are people who have been butted out of their flocks by bullying rams, others who have been starved out by lack of good teaching of the word of God. And those who have been wounded and hurt, who need binding up and healing. Many of these are the victims of those bad shepherds that Ezekiel talked about. Now I'm just going to make it clear here that it's not always the shepherd's fault. <laughs> we need to remember that the, we can't blame the shepherds of the, of, the, of the flock all the time. Many people, many believers, leave church because of offence. As Peter said this morning, it's offence. Someone says or does something that they don't like or agree with and so they walk away in their own hurts. Very sad. Jesus said in Matthew eleven six, Blessed is he who is not offended by me. And I thought about those words. And I thought, so really, if we as Christians have the heart of Jesus in us, if we are, we are then going to be offended by him if we are offended by each other. Because we all have Christ in us. So if, someone is, if I'm going to let somebody offend me, then I'm going to let, that's going to be Jesus. I'm going to be offended by Jesus. Because that person has the heart of Jesus in them as Peter was saying today. Offence, unfortunately, is really pride and it comes with immaturity in our Christian journey. This is why it's so important that we be perfected or matured as Christians. You know, the Bible talks all the time, all of the letters of Paul talk about we must be being matured. We must grow from the milk to the meat of the word. We must change to be like the image of Jesus. You know, it's, if we are matured, then we learn humility and we don't easily take offence. And we're more careful, I believe, not to cause it. We all need to remember that we are masterpieces in progress. Each and every one of us are on a journey with the Lord we are all his masterpieces and we're all a work in progress. And so we need to be that tolerant of each other and love each other and, and learn to love our differences. Learn to love those that are different and, and you know, see them as unique creatures of God in the making, the masterpieces of God in the making. We need to see each other as that. God's masterpieces in the making. Anyway, that's really another sermon on itself, in itself, about offence and all those things. But what I believe God wants to, us to focus on right now is the lost sheep, the prodigals that I believe God wants to bring back before it's too late. So I thought, Lord, how are we going to go about this? You know, this word says that God says, I will bring them back. I will do it. But he uses us as his vessels. So how, Lord, are we going to be the right vessels to do this? So I asked the Lord, what, are, what Lord, how are we going to bring back these lost sheep? What do we need to do? 
And God led me to 2 Chronicles 7.14. You might know this one. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I really wanted to go into this verse a little bit more um, involved because God really spoke to me through this verse. And it says, if my people who are called by my name. So this verse is about God's people. He's talking to his church here. He's talking to us, his people. We're his people. We're called by his name. We're called to worship him. We're called to be changed into his image and go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptising, disciplining and teaching. We are the ones God is aiming this scripture at. Not the rest of the world, not the lost, not the leaders, not the politicians. God is saying, if my people who are called by my name, that's us. And he's saying then, we'll humble themselves. Wow. What has happened here that God needs to tell his people who are called by his name to humble himself, humble ourselves? What's happened to us? What's happened to the church? I believe this is a reminder to the church to continue to check our hearts for pride. According to the the in-depth studies of the end times, we are in the end times of the Laodicean church or Laodicean church if you've just been studying Revelation. And each of the churches that are in Revelations actually relate to a time in church history, if you've ever studied that. And we are in the time now, the end times of the Laodicean church. So I'm just going to read you what's going on with that church in Revelations 3, 14 to 22, just to remind us of what God does not want us to be. And he goes on to say, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold, and I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked spiritually? I've seen churches like this. Churches that are lukewarm because they've compromised the word of God. They've compromised the Holy Spirit. They've allowed evil to be called good and good to be called evil. And so the Spirit of God goes. He can't dwell there. He can't work there. It's a sad place to be. And God says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you might be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with oil, with eye salve, that you may see. God is saying, You know, he wants people refined in the fire, going through the trials and the tribulations and coming out different and changed and in victory. 
This is what he wants of his church, not lukewarm, go to church on Sunday, sit in the pew and think, oh, yeah, this is, you know, okay, and then go off during the week and do your own thing. We can't be like that. God wants us refined in the fire, pure hearts, so that we can serve him. You know, he goes on to say that he, um, because he loves us, he will rebuke and chasten us. And he says, be zealous and repent. And I just wish that we could preach this to many, many churches out there. Be zealous for God. Get your fire back. Repent. You know, and Jesus goes on to say, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice, let him open. These churches, Jesus is outside. We want a church that, where Jesus is on the inside where Jesus is in control, where Jesus, what he wants, and where the Holy Spirit has freedom. Praise God we have that there, guys. Church, we have that here, and we need to really treasure it and be blessed by it. We need to be careful that we don't lose our humility and think that we have it all, remembering who it is that gives us everything. And humble ourselves before him. And we need to humble ourselves before God so that we can pray and seek his face. You know, God resists pride, but he he gives grace to the humble. There's absolutely nothing that we can do to bring back these lost sheep or see anyone saved without the Holy Spirit. It is him it is God. Jesus said, no one can come to, the, to me but the Father draws them. People have got to be drawn by the Spirit of God. And we need to have that. And we need to pray. Constant prayer is an essential part of any revival. James 5.16 tells us that the earnest, intense, sincere, heartfelt, deep and fervent Keen, zealous, passionate, eager, ardent, burning, fanatical prayer. That's a lot, isn't it? But that's where we have to be. That kind of prayer of a righteous person avails, benefits, rewards, gains, profits much. That's the kind of prayer we need, folks. Seeking God and his perfect will, crying out to him with such a heart of desperation... And compassion for lost souls is what God's asking us to do. If we don't first humble ourselves and seek God's face, then we cannot, cannot turn from our wicked ways. And again, I said, turn from our wicked ways. Wow, God, you're talking to the church here. You know, God is talking to those people called by my name. He's talking to the church. Wow. Lord, what's happened? Are there any wicked ways in us? I think that's something we have to check and we do that before communion. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, God said himself, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I want the fruit that comes from doing God's will. 
I don't want that wicked heart. I've heard it said once that when you're born again, this scripture no longer applies to you. But I wonder about that. (laughs) I had to question that because I think Paul tells us to examine our hearts often before we have communion with God, you know, to be constantly examining our hearts. You know, so I think that we do have a tendency sometimes to have wickedness in us. Jesus alone by his death and resurrection gives us our righteous standing with God. I want to get that clear. We can do nothing to be righteous before God. Jesus does that for us. He's done that on the cross. Our righteousness is through him. But we need to remember that we all have a sin nature and it's constantly at war with God. So it's essential that we continually ask God to examine our hearts like David did. Lord, is there any wicked way in me that needs to be dealt with? Because I don't want to sin against you because sin separates us from God and I don't want to be separated from God. And if we've got wickedness in us, then God's not going to hear our prayers. He's not going to have us, you know, he's not going to hear us cry out to him for lost souls. And then it goes on to the last part. That's the rewards. If we do what God asks us, his promise is we will, he will hear us from heaven and will forgive our sin and heal our land. That's what I want to see. I want to see our land. God wants us to bring back his lost sheep and others, the other sorts too. But they need to see Jesus in us. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the mouthpiece of God now. Church, God wants to bring back his lost sheep. We need to show them the unconditional and sacrificial love of God, to be willing to lay down our preconceived ideas and our judgments and give people time to share their hearts. Their hurts, their disappointments and fears. Like Peter said, we've got to build relationships with people. We've got to build relationships with these lost souls. These people don't need forceful pushing. Most have already experienced that from past religious encounters. They don't need to be pushed and forced and told what they should and shouldn't do. We need to be different. We need to show them kindness, compassion, forgiveness and love. Remember, someone loved us enough to share the gospel with us, to persevere with us. I don't know about you, but when salvation comes, it it comes out of a relationship. Someone loved us enough to come and share the gospel with us to give us the true meaning of repentance, the true um, goodness of God, you know, to show us these things, to lead us to Jesus. And remember, it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's not bashing and Bible bashing and beating over the head. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. I believe God wants us to seek him Ask him to lay the burden on our hearts for the lost and then bring them to the very throne of God in our prayers. 
He wants us to be praying fervently for his Holy Spirit to bring conviction and revelation of the truth of who Jesus is. We need to put aside time to build relationships, I believe, of trust with people because they've had their trust broken. We need to do that before their wounds can be healed, before they can know who Jesus is. Many have never taught, many have never been taught how to allow Jesus to heal their hearts. They're just broken and hurting and lost and angry and frustrated. It's time, I believe it's time now. I believe God gave me this word because I believe he was speaking to my heart and saying, it's time now, church. Already we see revival started in America in one little American college. Now it's spreading throughout other places in America. It's on the way, it's happening. Who's to say that revival in Australia won't start in a little country town like Maryborough? Who's to say that? I'm not going to give up on that idea. What we need, though, is Christians who are willing to humble themselves to pray and seek God's face, to turn from anything that's not pleasing to him so that our community might be healed and we might see changes in Australia. This is, I believe, what God's saying to us. Let's seek his face. Let's pray. Let's give our time to God. Let's put him first in our lives. I'm encouraging you to do that because, you know, I know in my life experience, God has never let me down. And whenever I've given to him my time or anything that I have in material things, he's given back tenfold. That's my testimony. He's done that. So I just want to pray. Father God, I thank you that you've given us this word of encouragement. You've given us your word of excitement. You've also given us your word that has conditions, Lord, that we need to search ourselves, search our hearts, search what we're doing with our time and with our money. And, Lord, begin to seek your face, seek you, seek your will for our lives, Lord, and for this church. Father God, I pray that we each take these words seriously and that we get on our faces before you this week and we ask you, Lord, what do you want me to do, Father? What do you want me to change, Lord? How can I help to bring about um, the revival of these lost souls? How can I help to draw them to Jesus? Show us our hearts, dear Father. And help us, I pray, to just give our all, to have a heart for lost souls, that we can feel their pain, we can see their tears, and we can have a heart of compassion like Jesus to draw them back into your kingdom, Father. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bring on the revival. Praise God. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Wattle City Church. If you Google Wattle City Church, you'll find us on Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, 
YouTube and a whole bunch of other platforms. Feel free to listen. We pray that you'll be encouraged by this message and by other messages that you listen to. We praise God and we pray blessings upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.